Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 491 of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Emma Gray. I cannot believe we've made it to 491. I guess that's it. This will be my last episode. I'm kidding. Not even a funny joke. I'm so happy to welcome Emma onto the podcast. She is one half of the fantastic podcast, Love to Hear It, that delves into all things reality dating show. I had such a great conversation with her, and I just know you're going to love it. So... Get ready to hear me talk for a long time about feeling like I was getting attacked by a dog. And hope to see some of you at Sketchfest. That's right. It's almost SF Sketchfest in January. Go to sfsketchfest.com for tickets and info. But for now, just dive into this episode with Emma. Very cutting. People say I'm a very cutting interviewer. <laughs> very vicious. Very yeah. So uh, I should manipulative. be very nervous. Is what you're saying? I would love for you to be nervous. I would love <laughs> for you to be nervous. Um, so w- real quick, you were saying you record people. You and Claire like, were recording people pre-pandemic. Also, where everybody was just kind of like in occasionally a room, we were we were yeah in a studio most of the time before the pandemic and now we have not been in a studio since 2020 yes indeed (laughs) i know now when i go to a studio for anything at all i'm like is this hollywood i know i'm like oh i'm a real girl now yeah instead i'm just like in my bedroom recording all the time yep um will you tell people uh about your podcast with claire i guess i said all of that and then realized as an unprofessional, cutting, manipulative host, I didn't uh, that give does any context sound for like it. you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have a podcast with Claire Fallon about The Bachelor. It is called mm-hmm. "Love to See It" with Emma and Claire, and then we also have a more general culture and pop culture non non bachelor uh, podcast and newsletter called Rich Text on Substack. In Rich Text, how? When you say pop culture, like how broad are you guys going? It's really like whatever we want to talk about, whatever Love the it. people that, you know, are in our little community on Substack want to hear us talk about. So it it will range from cultural trends, fashion, talking about the term vibe shift to us recapping a scripted drama like Squid Game or Tell Me Lies um, to Q&As. Yeah. So, we just kind of get to have fun over there. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Are you, do you feel uh, sometimes like now, like, especially because you have a co-host that you always are with and like are talking to, do you have that gross sense that I do sometimes that I joke about on the podcast where I'm like, we should be podcasting this. Like <laughs> like anything outside of podcasting with a fun friend who's interesting to talk to starts to feel like, what a wasted opportunity. Why yeah. aren't we podcasting Where's the this? content? exactly that is like the curse of of the internet and being a person who makes things online yeah for sure for sure is that something that you guys talk about like like just to now turn it super meta and inward facing again but like do you sort of talk about the 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 experience of like the phenomenon of people feeling like everything I do should be online a little bit I think more of what we end up discussing is just the experience of kind of unwittingly becoming these kind of micro micro public figures and 
the weirdness of of that experience especially because online you know you have this community but there is that that barrier inherent of just like we're we can talk to each other but it's not real intimacy and so I think that is a very a very odd dynamic to be on either end of yeah how involved in like being online and stuff were you growing up I mean I feel like I'm the age where I kind of grew up with the internet like right alongside it you know I'm 35 so it's like I remember when we got our first computer and we got AOL and all you could do was like go on AIM and check your email um and that was super formative and then I've always but I've always used the internet in some capacity and then as soon as I was a working person you know I was on Twitter and I was writing online and so that would just I don't think I've ever thought about what it would look like without that because that's always in my professional life kind of just been a constant yeah what was your where did you go to high school I went to high school in Silver Spring Maryland right outside Washington DC public high school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how um because this conversation always comes up whenever anyone's from DC so I could get it out of the way how involved or not involved were you and or your family in politics oh we were a very politically active Uh family (laughs) yeah yeah social justice is kind of like built into the dna of our family i there are photos of of me at like an lgbtq rights march when i was still in a stroller and my grandmother is like pushing us down at the mall yeah uh the iraq war happened when i was in high school we like organized a walkout and everyone wore black armbands like it it was always kind of just there and um, i grew up in a very politically progressive family i went to a, a summer camp that was very politically progressive and politically minded and so I think that was just kind of a constant hum underneath everything for me, kind of always. Yeah. I mean, that's like, do you have a sense now being a little older how unique that kind of is for a lot of people to hear about? Like to feel to feel empowered and emboldened in a more direct, literal, like everyday way uh, in the functioning of the way the country is supposed to work versus, you know, so many young people like maybe there's some of that, but. There also may be like, no, like my parents weren't super political and like I'm just now figuring out that voting is really important or, you know, like, do you feel totally. the difference of that? Oh, my gosh. I feel the impact of it so much. Like it is fundamentally part of my worldview in a really major way. And I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to see that, yeah, that's not necessarily the norm. Um, and I think that's just a product of like the places that I was as a kid and also just yeah the setting of being near DC you know I think you're just kind of yeah around it more like everyone you know like their parents you know work for the government in some capacity it's just kind of it's it's always there yeah did you during the last kind of like six years or so has that become a a, not a I don't want to say a hot button topic with your family because it sounds like your family is maybe more aligned than some families find themselves to be on all of that. But in terms of just the kind of trauma of the experience of what's been happening over the last few years, is that something that is like at the forefront of kind of you being like when you are with your family, is that like that the topic? And Um, I think it depends. I think everyone after the last 
handful of years um, is is pretty burnt out. And so I think sometimes yeah. you just when you're with people who are you're close to, you want like a little bit of respite from that. Sure. But sure. also, yeah, that's all that's always there. It's something that we talk about along with all the other things that families talk about. Um, and yeah. I mean, I, I covered the 2016 election like in the run up and Trump's whole campaign and then for a couple years, you know, into the kind of through um, Trump's presidency, I, I was in more like solidly political coverage for a lot of that. And it was so draining and traumatizing just to be thinking about it that much and having God, this yeah. person in this administration kind of taking up that much headspace. And so sure. I think on a personal level, um, since I left HuffPost, I've kind of, there's been an element of relief to get a little bit more space from that. 100%. I mean, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my experience of of, of launching the West Coast version of HuffPost Live mm -hmm. uh, was like, could not have been less prepared for it emotionally. Probably couldn't have been less prepared for it professionally. <laughs> and like, just was tired all the time and... You know, just like, oh, this is not and, you know, was in a newsroom with like people who were very seasoned, people who were like me pulled from somewhere else because, yeah. you know, that's what they were looking for was the sort of diversity of background and like the kind of like folksiness of maybe not necessarily having this like Good Morning America background. Um, it was and a it, cool was, so it was so it was a disparate is a very disparate, <laughs> very cool team but yeah to go to to suddenly be like reporting to the AOL offices and like you know having a like a lanyard and stuff was like I don't know what I, this is so like, weird. welcome to corporate America so weird. yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was wild um and it and it was and it was so exhausting and so I I mean I already respected like you know seasoned and and dedicated journalists in so many different walks of journalism but um, after that, I was like, you have to be made of something different or you have to have really done the like whatever the mailroom version is of ending up in on camera talking about people getting shot. Like you have to go through all of that. You can't just like get dropped into it and then told like, good luck. You know? I mean, I, I am truly in awe of people who are are not only reporting on this stuff, but doing it in front of in such a public way. Like being a writer yeah. and a reporter, you know, you, you at least have a little bit of space. No one's looking at yeah. your face when you're trying to sort out exactly what to say about this stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd be cut out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there stuff that you feel like you do you kind of uh, diverge from in terms of like the sort of overall? I don't want to like I guess it is very p pigeonholy to sort of put the HuffPost into like it's everyone thinks this one way but certainly it's known to be you know like more left-leaning and mm -hmm. you know um that kind of thing Do, was there were there times where you felt like like reporting not necessarily yours obviously but like reporting that was going on there you were like actually I don't know if I agree with that or was it kind of a situation mm -hmm. where like the culture sort of worked for you like it like everybody yeah. was kind of like you know, Honestly, it, it on the whole, it worked. Like, I will say that I came up with kind of a class of people at HuffPost who were all just really young and hungry and kind of finding ourselves in New York. And so I think it was like this 
incredible professional experience that dovetailed with this really rich personal and social experience. And it's kind of hard now that Mm. I'm out of it to like separate those two things. Um, I feel like I grew Mm -hmm. up in that newsroom in a lot of ways. And the people that I grew up alongside, a lot of them are still, you know, remain very close friends. Obviously, no workplace is going to be perfect. You're not going to be aligned with every decision that management makes. And um, certainly, like, I didn't join until HuffPost had been acquired by AOL. And then we got Verizon. And then, but, you know, there are all these corporate overlords that kind of kept building on top of one Uh another. So you were dealing with a lot of different masters, I will say. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. Were you were you writing for the paper? Like, were you into journalism when you were in high school as part of this sort of like social and cultural awareness? In high school, no. Um. I was on the yearbook staff. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really loved my English classes. So I was and and my social studies classes. So I was always someone who enjoyed writing. I knew I was decent mm-hmm. at it. I think I had that skill set kind of in my in my head and then when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do I was like oh well maybe I could try that like I was not a person who was 16 being like I'm gonna get this internship and then I'm gonna get this job and this is the life plan like I was sort of like we'll see what happens it'll work out Uh (laughs) how was the yearbook staff how'd that go (laughs) I was the photo editor. I like don't even really okay. remember exactly what that entailed, um, but I think I felt <laughs> important and I liked uh-huh. getting yearbooks early. So that was, uh-huh. I'm sure that was like part of the motivation. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> How would you know that going in? Like someone is like, by the way, if you are on the yearbook staff. Honestly, I don't know. It's like yearbooks. we're talking about this and I'm trying, I'm like, I don't even recall how I joined, why I joined. I just know that I, I was. <laughs> yeah. Were you doing like sports and and or music or like drama, anything like that as well? Yeah, I was on the field hockey team and I was a big okay. theater kid. Okay. All right. I am pretty sure we did not have field hockey. I mean, I feel like despite my admitted ignorance about my sports stuff uh, in my high school, I gotta believe I would know if there was a field hockey team I gotta believe I would know in Arizona I guess field hockey is not necessarily yeah I feel like east coast it's like it's like a thing like lacrosse and field hockey are big in Maryland and probably in the whole region I don't know like I'm not good at sports yeah so Uh it was (laughs) so was it was being in field hockey I mean you said you weren't somebody who was like this this and this will line up to form this five years from now or 10 years from now was there were you were you doing it because you were like of course I need to probably do a sport or was it just like I don't know I had a couple friends who were into it and then I did it a a combination of those two things it was like yeah you need to just do at least one sport that's like a good and healthy thing to do um yeah and field hockey was the kind of thing where like no one grew up playing it so kind of everyone was going into ninth grade and was like kind of new and so I think that was part of the reason like my parents sent me to you know a four-day um, field hockey little camp pre-high school oh, okay. in, in Richmond yeah. uh, uh-huh. at the University of Richmond. And it was like, learn you'll learn how to play field hockey and uh-huh. then you'll be on the, you know, JV and like yeah. work your way up. And yeah, 
yeah, I think it it was easier to jump into because it felt like a little bit of a more level playing field. I'm like a person who um, one of my worst qualities is that I like deeply hate doing things that I'm bad at, especially <laughs> oh, around God, yeah. around people it. that like are good yes. at it. Like even very basic yeah. low stakes games. It's like not a good yeah. not a good trait of mine. But I think girl, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Okay, I'm not. Do you alone. feel like that's a product of? Do you feel like that's a product of like being kind of good at certain things and like having early be, having early aptitudes and then being really hard on yourself when you don't something doesn't come easily and just being like this is so embarrassing. Probably, yeah. Like probably. if you like if you had sucked at everything when you were very young, maybe like there was everything was speaking of level playing field like perhaps more things would have had more of a chance with you, but because you were like, I mean, I know what it feels like to be good at something that feels much better than being bad at something. exactly so it's i'm gonna pr- it's probably chase that, that feeling it's probably part that and and part just like having an anxiety disorder and um mm-hmm. also just yeah it, that's so i think my social anxieties play out in that way it's like nothing worse than being watched by other people and you're doing something poorly like that is a nightmare <laughs> scenario for me <laughs> yeah i sort of hope like, I guess I still have the relationship with the idea of getting older where uh, I do love the idea of being like an old lady who's like, I don't care. Like, I, I, that I associate like, that with like you get older and you're like, who cares if I'm like, good at this? Cares? I don't give a damn. Yeah. Like, it's fun. Yeah. I feel like I thought I would get to this age and I would feel that way. Be like, I <laughs> you would already be fuck. It doesn't matter. No one <laughs> yeah. cares. But. Yeah. No, I'll still like go bowling and be bad at it and like have a complete meltdown. It's like, what's uh-huh. wrong with you? No one cares. <laughs> no, that's a hard way to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, uh, when did you become aware? Like, was because I certainly was extraordinarily depressed, as many teenagers were, and, and had anxiety that very much took a like specific shape as I got into my college years to where it was like you could look it up in a book, which in some ways was really hard and in some ways was much more comforting. Um, did you identify, like, did you know that you had an anxiety thing going on um, definably when you were a younger person or is that something that kind of became clear later? I think not definably. It's like when I name all the things that I knew the qualities I knew I had it's like very obvious that that's what was happening but I didn't kind of identify it in a real way until I was towards the end of college and and Mm -hmm. when I started like when I went to therapy for the first time and that was yeah in my last year of college um and but it's wild because I was just that like type a anxious kid it's like you forget your homework and you're you have a panic attack you know, yeah. like, or I, but it, I think there is something like a certain type of kid where, um, your anxiety disorder can actually just make you excel in certain ways at school. And so no one's yeah. that concerned. Yes. Yes. And, and it's like, oh, but if I something just, mask, it's, yeah. If right. something masks self and success somehow, like that is so tricky, right? Exactly. Exactly. There, and it's like, oh, no, you were just, you had to be good at everything because it was so horrible to like, not do well on a test you like had to be prepared um and I think that that kind of allowed me to like not really see what was what was really at the root of it sure sure and when you talk about social anxiety um it, it I think also it's hard and 
possibly worse for women of a, uh, from a certain era to both be competitive and also not want to make anyone angry. Like if you uh, have an anxiety in that direction, that like you feel the competition, but you also would never want anyone to think that you were pushy or that you were overly competitive or, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, yeah. Did you feel you felt that too? Definitely. um, I'm like, I need everyone to like me person. Yeah. Again, still a work in progress. Still, still trying to move past that one. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Wow, Emily, we've been doing this podcast for 10 years. I know, but hey, don't worry. You can jump in at literally any episode and hear us talk about some of our favorite stuff. Caterpillars becoming butterflies. Martha Stewart flying around in a private jet full of trees. Yes, you heard me right. Trees. Neighbors becoming enemies. Just kidding. (laughs) Whatever messed up stuff we can find on Wikipedia. Our impeccable taste in everything from dogs to TV shows to bodily functions. And horses. Lots and lots of horses. Come for our horned up rants about the world. Stay for the catchy theme songs. You might not learn anything, but we're a good hang. Baby Geniuses. Every other week on MaximumFun.org. Baby Geniuses. Tell us something we don't know. It's starting to feel like I controlled this conversation and led it to exactly this point. And I promise you that is absolutely not what happened. Unfortunately, I did have an experience last night that I feel like you will totally relate to that has been gnawing at me since it happened. Okay, for I want to All hear. of the reasons that we just discussed. I'm going to tell you. And everyone. Uh, so I was walking one of my dogs. One of my dogs is older and can't like walk as far. And so I take my younger dog out and I was walking him and I live right by Griffith Park, which has a lot of coyotes and stuff. So I always carry like I carry mace. I carry like a little knife just because you just don't know there's, you know, you just want to make sure you're safe from both people and potentially like an animal that has decided that you it wants your animal or whatever. Um, it's a better safe than sorry scenario. But um, so we were walking and we went all the way through this little part of the park and then came out And we were walking and it was funny because I like saw there's a few coyotes that I think someone feeds. So they're always around. And of course, my dog and all dogs always just want to be like, let me be part of that pack. Like, let me chase that and see what that's all about. And he had behaved so well that I was like, oh, I feel so chill and relaxed right now. Like, this is great. Like he saw the coyotes and this time he didn't even care. And we came out of the gate that leads into my neighborhood and this woman has um, a Rhodesian Ridgeback that is quite large that I remember when she first got it, she it was a rescue. It was very aggressive. Um, but since then, like a year ago, this dog has seemed fine. Um, I'm walking with him across the street from this house. All of a sudden, on the corner of my eye, and because there's a noise that draws me, I look over and this Rhodesian is racing across the street like so fast and is snarling and barking with spittle coming out of its mouth and oh is coming God. at me and my dog. And my dog hid behind me because my dog is a total wuss. <gasps> like My dog is not a dog that would ever protect me in any situation. My dog hides behind my legs like a toddler. He immediately hid behind my legs and I like pulled out the mace and I was like, don't fucking come towards us like I was like screaming and and I was shaking and the dog stopped and proceeded to still snarl and then I and then I hear his owner like or her owner like call her name and she and the dog does not stop like the dog kind of ceases snarling but continues to sit just on the ground like two feet from us 
staring at us. And and I look over and I know this woman. Did the owner come um, racing out? No, no, no. She just stood there. And I was and I was like, I mean, I, the adrenaline, it was from zero to 60. Do you oh know what I mean? God. Like, I was like, I'm going to have to hurt no, this dog. Genuinely scary. Or this dog is going to hurt me or both, you know? And I was, my heart was just pounding. And I was like, I, I was thrumming with adrenaline. I was like, I called her by name, which is funny. I don't think she knows my name. She should, but she just doesn't remember it. She's a little older. Um, but I was like, I was like, control your fucking dog. Like, this is fucking awful. And she was like, she just wanted to meet your dog. She's not a fucking dog. Don't call her a fucking dog. And then the first thing your mind does is like, what I'm is a bad like, person. are you, are, yeah, like, are you gaslighting me? Like, did I just make up what I just saw? Oh my because off-leash dogs run at my dog all the time. Like, people let their dogs off-leash. It's fun. Like, I get it. I'm, I don't overreact. I seriously was like, this is the beginning of a, something different. Like, this, what, what this dog is doing is an attack. And I was like, I was like, your dog was aggressive when you got her and she's been better, but this is fucking unacceptable, blank. Like, don't do this. And it became clear as I, like, focused in on, on the dog that it had torn away. For, like, it's, it was dragging its leash. leash leash with it so it was a choice by that dog to break away to race towards our dog and she just kept yelling at me for calling her dog a quote fucking dog and I was like shivering with adrenaline and I was like okay whatever and I looked over and there were two people who were just standing there like stock frozen and I was like you guys saw what happened right and they both just were frozen like deer like they wouldn't say anything they were just like not they wouldn't say anything i was like okay and i took him away and as i'm walking away she's yelling at me like she just wanted to meet your dog no that doesn't sound (laughs) like that's what that was but like the further away i got from it and i was and i you know i like had to i like you know when your adrenaline leaves you and you just sink down i like sunk down on the ground and my dog who is very treat oriented and very walk oriented and is very sweet but not particularly affectionate on a walk was like in my face licking me like whimpering like he was clearly terrified and i i started to cry and i was like I, you know, this is one of the scariest moments of my life as an adult with an animal. Um, and it only took like five seconds for me to start being like, wait, did I overreact? Like when every part of your body is telling yeah. you, you didn't overreact. I'm such a people pleaser that I was like, maybe I shouldn't have called her dog a fucking dog. Like, I guess I lost my temper. Like, and then I, and then you oh, sort of yeah. circle back on yourself. Like, it's very wait a minute, relatable. this is crazy. Like, why am I trying to, like, now I'm self-gaslighting. Like, what is happening? You're also like, wait, it's sometimes, such a crazy like, I'm allowed loop. to get angry and I'm allowed to have a yes. reaction and I'm allowed to be frustrated yes. with someone. And like, you did, it's not like you like, killed her dog. <laughs> like, you, I didn't, you just t- yeah, I mean, I didn't touch her dog. You just yelled at the dog. That seems fine. Which, you know, I'm going to say, and I dog- described it to my partner and he's like, I'm sorry, but like. I would have already kicked the dog in the face. Like yeah, I would have, no, I would have actively terrifying. kicked the dog to stop it from racing at me. I would have reached my leg out and kicked it, and and I was like, and so, but then I'm like, you know, I'm sort of walking through like the justification. Then I'm like, I don't want to have beef with this neighbor. Like I like all my like, we don't even live near each other. But I'm like, I don't want to be the person that like wants to like has to turn around and avoid someone because their dogs like had beef. Like. I've been waiting well, so much time thinking about you, it, and it's you so would hope dumb. in that situation that the other person would be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry that that happened." Yeah. 
Like she's even never if you're done like, that, I right? know my dog would never hurt you, even though it. But I know it seemed but like it. That seems so really sorry. scary. I'm so sorry yeah. if you know if you got freaked out. I, <sighs> I that seems. But I think that there is there is like something broken in a lot of, and it's probably more more women than men, though I'm sure people of all all gender identities yeah. experience it. But in yeah, as a woman, like there is this just instinct of like just self-flagellation like any embarrassment or anxiety like it just turns inward and you're like well yeah because it's almost like if if something was your fault then you could control it right that makes sense yeah if I do something wrong I am definitely I do apologize Uh, I feel bad about it for a little while but like I can give myself the peace of mind that I apologized right and when there's nothing to apologize for but someone is trying to make you feel like there is you're like what do I do with this right exactly you're like oh I just have to like hold hold this uncomfortable feeling and maybe this person will have feelings about me that I simply can't control and I it is what it is and I have to let it go oh that's uncomfortable yes (laughs) totally and I was like that in high school I was like you know I was very confrontation averse like but also sort of had strong opinions. Yep. So that just that's what was coming up for me when you were talking about it. Yeah. It's just like this idea of like just holding a lot. And I'm sure something we can all relate to. You're right. No matter how we identify gender wise. Like but that feeling of having to hold a bunch of different people inside yourself um, in stressful situations. You really see those things playing off of each other in this very like pinball kind of way. Totally. Where you're like, just get to the bottom of the thing already. <laughs> like, stop pinging. I get it. I feel this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. It's too many emotions. You know? It's too many emotions. Um, so when you were, like, on the field or when you are, like, when it, in terms of, like, getting roles and stuff and doing stuff in theater, um, as a high school student, I recognize that, like, high school theater is not the be-all end-all. But also when you're a high school student, it's not like you have much else to put in front of that were you did you have that like did you emotionally attach yourself to kind of being in drama and oh yeah and like trying to get roles and like you know yeah absolutely and I was like you know middling like I got roles but I was never like the best I never got like the best roles yeah um yeah which is you know what not such a bad place to be because you get to like have all no, the fun for sure yeah some of those roles are like easily the most fun like I always say, like, you know, a live show, being the like sixth person to the end to take a bow, you're almost assuredly going to be the character everyone loved the most. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, the one where everyone's like, yeah, you know, and the good costumes. And like, I just always found everything about live performance to be so intoxicating and yeah. like musical theater, especially like I was just I was just a kid that that grew up loving musicals yeah. and movie musicals and all of that so it was like so exciting uh-huh. to get to be a part of it what let, can you name me some plays that you did and roles that you got I was in Bye Bye Birdie oh fun in, one in ninth grade yes I was I was in the the chorus mm-hmm. because it was ninth grade uh-huh. <laughs> um I was in I was Cinderella's mother in Into the Woods mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um I'm like what was Oh, what was 10th? That was 11th grade. What was 10th grade? Hello, Dolly. Okay. That was another. These I are think, all classics, role. right? They're like. Yeah. Not, but I got yeah. to be like a featured dancer. So like that was. Amazing. Was fun. Um, and then. And then I was in Susical in 12th grade. <gasps> Susical. That's yeah. very fun. 
That's very fun. And I was bird girl number one. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the Greek chorus, yeah. basically, of... And that was so fun. Yeah. That was so fun. Is that such a weird musical? Yeah. But it was so fun. It, it, is that something that you thought you wanted to take further than, and did you take it further in college and stuff? I think I kind of was like, I'm not good enough to like do this forever. Yeah. So I just sort of, I took a gap year between um, high school and college. Nice. And I think that sort of like stopped some of that momentum. Got and it. then I just kind of got absorbed into other things. So I didn't really end up doing theater in, in college. What did you do in your gap year? Um, I lived in Israel. Nice. For the year and did coexistence work and taught English and lived with a bunch of other kids. And it was fun. What can you um, define coexistence work uh, for anybody who might not? Yeah, we were like living in development towns, um, working in schools that contained a lot of immigrant populations and some towns that included both like Jewish and Arab populations Um, and then also just doing a lot of like seminars and kind of informal informal learning no like graded classes but how was that for yeah. you? How did you, how, how do you, how did, do you, do you enjoy it? I mean, I have a few friends who yeah. worked in coexistence or just, you know, talking like peace, like peacemaking and, you know, uh, in particular with the Jewish and Arab worlds, like, and how people perceive those things right now. That's a tough road to be on. Yeah. And I have so much respect for people who are working. Cause sometimes you get um, alienated by both cultures. Like you get it. You know what I mean? Like that's Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yes, I feel like I've definitely been in that position of feeling like when you're trying to have a nuanced conversation, it just understandably brings up a lot of very intense emotions for people. And there's a lot of very messed up things in that region. (laughs) So um, I understand why emotions run high, but it can be hard to kind of have a nuanced conversation sometimes. But I mean, I was also, you know, I was 18 Mm -hmm. and it was sort of this, I was in this place and doing this work and also just again having like one of those very profound social experiences and feeling like I'm away from home I'm you know and and the funny thing is because it was 2005 to 2006 like we didn't have the internet and cell phone networks that exist now like you couldn't just like you didn't have a smartphone sure it was harder to get internet access in some of the places so we like were not crazy plugged in yeah in the way that I think you would be now if you went abroad yes. it's like I feel like I sound so old saying this but it's crazy how quickly things no changed. it's like totally a few years later true. I you know I had an iPhone but it's so that that um, little sliver of time especially yeah. because there's so much happened between like 2000 and 2005 and then so much happened once like the smartphones came out and I have a really hard time. Right. I do this other podcast where we're working on like a, you know, potentially wrongful conviction thing. And it took place in 2006, 2005, 2006. And you're just like, it's so hard when you're that close to everything being available all the time, no matter where you are mobily. Like, I really have to look back yes. and be like, OK, there was the summer I w- went to, you know, I did a little traveling and I and I still had to go to an internet cafe and check email and then like the next summer I feel like I was checking email on my phone like (laughs) it was such a huge leap yes yes I think like literally six months before I got an iPhone I got like stranded overnight in the Madrid airport and like 
didn't have like had to go to an internet cafe in the airport because my cell phone like couldn't switch yeah. regions. Yeah, yeah. And like I couldn't get in touch with anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. In 2000, I mean, I didn't even I didn't have Facebook yet because high school Facebook came out the year after I graduated high school. Yeah. So for this year it was like and you you know, you needed your college email to get Facebook. Yeah. So I had deferred a year, so I didn't get I didn't get Facebook until. Isn't until that funny? Is the specificity of yeah. just that gap year at exactly that time <laughs> yeah. is such a weird pillow yeah. of time in between. Yeah, a year later, and I and I would have had it. I was just like right in that gap. That's amazing. Oh, oh! It's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, Yeah, completely. Our, Our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't believe I've been talking to you for almost 40 minutes. This is crazy. I want to make sure to get this MASH game in before I lose you. Okay. Um, and we will uh, have fun exploring more via Fantastic. MASH. Sorry, I'm a real um, rambling I talker. I cannot. So. I spent 50% of our conversation telling you about a dog I thought was going to kill us. <laughs> no, it's great. I feel like and we're good friends now. I feel very... you by feel... apologizing to me. You proved our point. <laughs> I feel very bonded to you now, okay? It's, I also feel beautiful. very bonded to you. I'm very glad I could tell that story and be understood and seen immediately. Uh, it actually does make me feel a million miles better. So thank you for, for uh, walking through that with me. Um, okay, I mean, listen, I got to start with musicals in this MASH game because of everything we were talking about. Give me three musicals. And we are putting, this is a zero stakes situation. Okay. This is like joyful three. Joyful, you Love get to that. put on a musical and be whatever role you want, whatever gender, age, or like whatever, whatever feels right to you. Um, whether or not you know you would likely be cast tomorrow in this, it's it's a it's a free for all. So three musicals, you don't even have to know what role you would be. Just if you want, okay. you know, you would want to do the musicals. Um, let's do Bye Bye Birdie because I just great. I love it. Yes. Um, problematic fave right there. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. I don't even. It, the only reason I would assume it's problematic is that it's just from a different era. And often yes, those, yes, those yes. stories are a little bit like head scratchy at best. <laughs> yeah. Great. Lots of interesting gender stuff there. Um, let's see. Uh, Chicago. Let's do Chicago. Great. And can I do like a, a modern one? Yeah, of course. Let's do In the Heights. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. 
let's do, we did talk about doing a little bit of traveling. So let's do three places. You know what I'm going to do to you? I, I've only done this like maybe once, maybe twice before. But I want to hear from you a trio of countries that it makes sense to do at the same time. So you know what I mean? Like you're, I'm going to give you three weeks. And in that three weeks, you can only visit three countries. So you're probably going to want to do like a, you know, Iceland, Denmark, Sweden, yeah. or like Kenya. You know what I mean? Um, so give me uh, three different clusters of three that I get to send you on for three weeks. Ooh, oh, three of three. Oh, I love this. Okay, we'll do yeah. one France, Spain, and Portugal. Great. Right there with you. I'll do, I feel like just like a Mexico tour. Like yes. I'd like to just go to like Mexico City and Oaxaca and yes, like yes. Todos Santos. Like I just want to do all yes. like, as much Mexico as possible. Beautiful, um, love it. But the, you know, local flights you can you can do yeah, that. Totally. Um, and then let's do Australia, New Zealand. I feel like those are geographically isolated, so we kind of yes. But I think we can them. add Fiji. Oh yes, I feel Hell like Fiji's yeah. down in okay, there. Love right? that. Like, yes. You, yes. Okay. All right, so we threw Fiji in there. Fantastic. Okay, next one, let's do three foods that in this reality perhaps you're allergic to or just can't have as much of as you could when you were a kid or had once and have never been able to find its likeness. In this world we're creating, nothing's bad for the environment, nothing's bad for you. You can just, it's like somehow we've we've made magic happen and you can have it in perpetuity uh, however you want it. And then that's three, so pick three. Just three foods that like I love or mm-hmm. three foods it that like totally- I wish I could have more of? I would say, Either. yeah, anything that you that you would love to have at the snap of your fingers in unlimited quantities whenever you feel okay. like it. This is so specific, but... <laughs> I'm so glad already. When I, when I was like 13, my family did one family vacation to Club Med in the Bahamas. Uh-huh. And there was a French chef that made this <gasps> insane so white chocolate bread. Oh, and my I entire family so was so obsessed with this bread, we like got a loaf and brought it home with us and we have truly never been able to find it since yes and this is i would exactly love that what bread. this category is for i'm so <laughs> terribly pleased right now fantastic i love that you had that like access like, to that memory so quickly the white chocolate bread i love uh, yeah i don't know how you're gonna top that you get yeah two that, more, I, I can't yeah, because great. that's like the you only don't have to. You don't really have to. specific thing um and then it would just be like unlimited sour candies if it didn't like, cut up the top of your uh-huh. mouth <laughs> yes, like I just yes. want the ability to have all the <gasps> yes. sour candy um, and then just like really good mac and cheese and we'll pretend I don't have the Ashkenazi Jewish gastrointestinal system yes yes no pretending happening because this mac and cheese doesn't touch it in any kind of negative yeah way. it's somehow great. <laughs> It is symptom-free <laughs> mac and cheese. Fantastic. Okay, uh, next category, let's do three places you would love to visit in time. So you can see, you can bear witness to something. You're in a safety bubble. Oh. Um, so, which doesn't mean that you can't also, like, dance with a flapper in the 20s. But I'm just saying, like, you're not going to get ill and no one's going to harm you if you have a curiosity about something or, you know... Or you just want to experience a certain era. Like, you places. won't get dysentery on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> you, <won't, laughs> you will not get dysentery on the Oregon Trail. I promise. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> this is this one's hard. So many options. 
I do feel like 1920s Paris just has to be on there. Like it's just it's very cliche. But like I feel like, you know, I would like to experience that. It's be I totally agree. And it's also something that has been so lionized and so depicted that I I wish like I I know I'll never yeah, be like, able to see the, the real thing. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like I You're need like, someone no, to but, show me. No, this was real. real. This is what it looked like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Love it. Um, I'd love to be like in the midst of the industry but like in a safety bubble in like yes. old Hollywood, like during the studio yes. systems. Like yes. I want to see everything get made, but I, but I don't yeah. want to like be, uh, you know, abused as a young woman yes. in that. Oh my God, so nuts. So <laughs> uh, nuts. But I would like to bear witness, just like be I on the too. set of a Marilyn Monroe movie yes. or something. 100% agree, 100%. I am so fascinated by the fact, I cannot get over this, that like, have you spent time a bunch of time in LA? Are you in LA now? No, I'm in I'm you're in New York. York. You're in but, New York. Okay, but you've been yeah, so you've spent time in LA. I've been to LA, yes. The fact that like people worked at like Sunset in La Brea and had a cabin getaway in Laurel Canyon is like right. so just... crazy. Like that was out in the sticks. Like, oh, and we have a little little getaway cottage in Laurel Canyon that we have to like park our little, 19, you know, like our Model A down in this dirt parking lot. And then we have to like walk a bunch of steps up to these cabins in Laurel Canyon is insane to me. Yeah. I get okay. I guess the other place I'd like to be is like Brill Building era New York City. Yes, yes, yes. I think I just love cities. Is is what I'm discovering here. I love cities. And I feel ya. I just want to see cities that I already enjoy in like a different era. I do too. To see the whole layering of like this building through the era, just being able to like mm-hmm. stand and let that pass would be so yeah. amazing. Okay, love it. Uh, three movies you can jump into whenever you want. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in that world. Speaking of oh. enjoying worlds. First Wives Club. Great. Just, I'm like, I, I just want New York City movies. I'm like, when Harry met Sally. because I totally just, get it. Fall in New York has never... Yeah been as beautiful as it is in a Nora Ephron movie it's just yes between that and you've got mail it's like I feel like those are the same um you know when someone asks you a question then you're like what are movies what movies exist uh that's what happens Um, every time I do a mash and I am the worst responder at the exact I'm gonna like be sending you an email in an hour being like I thought of a really good one um and I welcome that and I welcome it (laughs) I'm gonna go princess bride just totally oh, fantastical. Great. Yes, 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 yes. Gorgeous. Okay, love it. Next category, it's we've got to get some romance in here. It's MASH. Okay. Uh, three people. Okay, it can be characters from books, films, celebrities from the 40s, whatever you want. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to pluck them from that place and give them to you as a romantic partner. Long term or short term? Okay. I mean, Seth Cohen from the OC okay. has to be... Great. On there, hundred percent. Great. My number one most formative childhood crush. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. I feel like I gotta throw in like, like Mr. Darcy, just because. Oh sure, why not? You know. Absolutely. I just watched the Kira Knightley. Shouldn't call it the Kira Knightley version because bless her heart, that was my least favorite thing about it. But the that, I know, but he's that particular so film, good. He might be my favorite Darcy, which I know is Matthew controversial. McVeigh. 
Yes. I totally buy into And also just like now, like being familiar with his work pre-succession. And some people have only come to know who he is through succession. And you're like... You need to understand this is like, like this a smoldering leading man. Yes. Yeah, like he's he has a cop. He's played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love no, it. I love it. Oh, he is so good as you know. Look, Colin Firth, obviously a yes. classic. But, love, yes. Um, and then, hmm. Oh, uh, Bill Pullman from While You Were Sleeping. Oh. He is so adorable in that. Yeah, he's just so floppy and cute. I love that movie. Me too. I'm sure it's problematic in some way, oh, too. Oh, it's such but... a creepy premise, but, like, that's the thing. <laughs> with a rom-com with great actors, good writing, great performances, yeah. they can sell the most loot. Like, the details don't matter. You're yeah. like, yes, yeah, yes, he's sure. in a coma. Yes, she does pretend to marry him. Of, of course yeah. she can't correct her mistake after one minute. No, no, no. Uh-huh. But it's Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I know. There's such a, there is a real like, like, we didn't mean any harm making this movie where you're like, I know you didn't. Like, of course you didn't. No, it's great. It's, it's great. So, it's great. It's Forget so we said anything. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay. Awesome. Uh, next one. Let's do three people, uh, three artists that you would love to collaborate with. And you don't even have to know what that collaboration would look like. So it could be, you know, a composer and you don't know what that would be like, but you just love them so much. You're like, yeah, to somehow be doing something with that person. So any type of like kind of artistic. Oh, endeavor. any, any type of art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like Taylor Swift, just cause I've been listening sure. to Midnight's on repeat. So we'll just throw, throw her on there. Great. Um, Monet. Great. Water lilies, you know. I know. Yes. Beautiful. And Jonathan Larson. Great, 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 great. Okay. Uh, Final category. Let's do... Let's do like three hobbies or could almost even stretch into alternate careers where we sort of have this way where we've invented more time for you. So cool. something that would take more time than you have um, or giving you the breadth to kind of do that in addition to everything else you have going on. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. I want to get good enough at dancing and singing to be on Broadway. That's, yeah, my... Great. You know, just a casual hobby that I'm sure I have the raw talent um, there to work with. I love with. it. This is but... what this is for. Exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, let's see. I went to one glass blowing class once. Ooh, yeah. It was really cool. And I would love to know how to do that because you can like glass blow like neon signage. Yeah. And so, yeah. yes. I'm going to become an That's expert. a great example. That's a great example. And did, when you did that one class, <laughs> were you like, well, I can see this would take a really long time to get good at. Yeah, was and like, unfortunately, that's not for, yeah. <laughs> both difficult and expensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got it. Got it. But it really cool. And I still have yeah. two bowls and a paperweight from it. Nice. So. Very cool. I know. You make me want to do it. Okay. Yes. Um, All right. And then what's your last one? Okay. I think I want to learn woodworking. I have a friend who great. just like finds scrap wood and makes gorgeous dining room tables for his family and I I really wish I had a practical skill of like any kind yeah well guess what (laughs) it's around the corner tell me let's see give me a word that uh best describes your feelings about Halloween I don't say best describes that's a lot of pressure that can describe your feelings about Halloween 
very mixed feelings about Halloween. So mm-hmm, hard to, mm-hmm. to sum up in, in one word, but I'll go creativity. Great. While I figure out your 100% guaranteed alternate universe bash life, uh, will you please tell everyone where they can find you, um, what they should be listening to, what they should be keeping their eyes open for, all that good stuff. In other words, vamp. Yes. You can find the podcast I do with Claire. Love to see it with Emma and Claire wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on um, Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod and Twitter at Love to See It Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at Claire and Emma.substack.com. And then you can find my work over at MSNBC. And also, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And also, I'm on TikTok now because I am trying to learn and be young and hip. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just, I just, I'm, I just, yeah. I need someone to just tell me what to do. Like, I need I know, someone to be really... like, I've been looking. This is what's trending. I have a funny idea for you. Or like, find a funny idea that I can merge into this meme and do it and I'll handle the rest. Like, just film it's something like on your phone first, and I will take care of everything true, else. Big generational divide. It's like the first technological social media thing that I feel the effort of. And it's very humbling. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's just and yeah, the the consumption of time to feel like you the the amount of time you have to put in to feel like, you know, what's going on there. It's because everything happens so quickly and is over so soon. Oh, my God. And then I just like it'll take me like 20 million takes and I totally do that millennial pause thing. Like everyone can probably tell I'm uncomfortable. I hate talking to the camera in that in that way yes. I'm just like it's me and my phone this is extremely yes. natural and I am yes. truly in awe of people who are so good at it yeah they're just flu they became fluent in it like so quickly <sighs> I know and, I'm jealous yeah, I know should I have, have dedicated myself to too. that during the pandemic I really but I mean, that one. I you mean know, we all make choices <laughs> uh, I I'm very glad that the universe has made the choices that it has made for you in okay. this match outcome. I feel like, I mean, I loved everything you said. I do feel like some of my favorites have ended up being um, uh, selected without, you know, oh, any fantastic. guidance by me. Um, first of all, uh, I'm going to congratulate you on, let's see, where did we put you? Because we didn't actually give you, we didn't put you in a specific um place for your like what your mansion apartment shack or house is going to be so i'm going to go ahead and tuck it into when harry met sally so not not only do you have like the ability to jump into that movie but you also have like your own beautiful mansion (laughs) that you can go to in autumn in new york whenever life is looking right stay as long (laughs) as you want now that is something that while he is from a different era uh, I can imagine Mr. Darcy enjoying very much indeed uh, long, thoughtful walks uh, in Central Park as the leaves yes. are coming down in beautiful reds and oranges. Uh, you are sharing that time with him. Perhaps he has an interest in going back into kind of real building New York City era, but you can also sort of step through a fold of time while you're there doing all of that. I love how interconnected all of those things yeah, are. Yeah, I was like, this is really working out for me. Yeah, it, it all makes sense. Let me tell you what else makes sense. Uh, your glass blowing. 
Your glass blowing works perfectly. It totally works in the whole framework of everything else we're building here. The fact that you are glass blowing is fantastic. Uh, I don't know how that is going to like engage with. Maybe it won't be totally separate, but your uh, your collaboration with Jonathan Larson. But uh, feel free to bring some glass blowing to that in some way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Jonathan Larson would have a lot to do in the Braille building. So this is really, You're right. I feel You're this is very right. interconnected You're theater absolutely forward. absolutely right. Um, <laughs> while it is a technically different city, I still feel like you being in the musical Chicago fits. It all still fits 100%. It's still working. Um, I love the fact that you have unlimited sour candy whenever you want, wherever you are. Sour candy, sour candy, sour candy. Zero like scruffles on your on your the roof of your mouth and your tongue, and you are also headed for a beautiful, uh, inspiring trip to Mexico. Which again, I feel like works. But let me tell you this: most some of the best Mexican candy I've had is sour, uh, and that's what oh I grew up eating because that's what we had in my neighborhood growing up. Tamarind I, candy. You know what I mean? So oh God, tamarindos! So please, oh, more, so more, more, more. Getting that chili powder in there, everything. I it love just, like, it. It's very mouthwatering, right? Um, so that totally makes sense as well. Also, beautiful Mexican blown glass. Hi, don't mind if I do. So again, there's this interweaving that just makes a whole lot of sense. It's a very creative, very like robust life that. Um, transverses uh, a, a few different eras but somehow it just all works so congratulations thank you I'm feeling really good about this life thank you, you for giving you it should. to me I feel really lucky <laughs> you're so welcome you're so welcome I'm a giver well I'm a giver I may be cutting and manipulative but I'm also a giver and that's how I get you because I <laughs> lure you in give you a false sense you're of like, security works by every this beautiful time life. I gotcha I gotcha. Um, Emma, this one's so much fun. I am also podcasting Claire. Uh, that is imminent. So I'm going to, this is very exciting because I don't think I've ever done like two halves of a whole right next to each other. Um, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a little like, you know, pocket Oh yeah. Piece. You're, you're going to have a good time with her. She's, she's the best. Can't wait. But this has been a blast as well. So thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to my dog story. Bye. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned, audience supported